doing some reading during the course of the last couple of weeks, I came across a statement that was made from the, uh, it was a joint statement on discipleship that was back in 1999 at the Eastbourne Consultation, and, and it had a, a lot of very smart theologians, very uh, committed evangelicals who were there to discuss the state of the church. And this is part of the statement that they issued. As we face the new millennium, we acknowledge that the state of the church is marked by growth without depth. Our zeal to go wider has not been matched by a commitment to go deeper. John R.W. Stott commented on this. For many years, 25 or more, the church growth school has been dominant. I rejoice in the statistics But we must say that it is growth without depth. I believe it was Chuck Colson who said the church is 3,000 miles wide and an inch deep. Many are babes in Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a pastor alive that doesn't want to see the seats filled on Sunday morning. Who doesn't want to have to go to multiple services because there's no place to put everybody. I, pastors want to see people coming to Christ, the church growing, bursting at the seams, and not just so that we can brag to other pastors on Monday morning. We want to see it happen because that means two things are taking place. Number one, that the church of Jesus Christ has become serious about sharing their faith with their community, with their family, with their friends, with their co-workers, with their fellow students, that they become awfully serious about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in a lost and broken world. And secondly, that that message by the power of the Holy Spirit is finding people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, who are embracing Him as Savior and Lord, new babies born into the kingdom of God, New names written in the Lamb's book of life. That is reason to rejoice when those things happen. But if we're simply content with adding new people to the roster, to having new spiritual babies born, if that is where our concern stops, then we have short-circuited the plan, the mission, the call of Jesus Christ. Because he did more than say, hey, go out there and make converts of the nations. What did he say? Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to consider these words in Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter. We're going to look at just three verses here, verses 18 to 20. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open there. If you didn't bring it, that's okay. We'll put the words up on the screen in just a few moments. This is after Jesus' resurrection and just prior to his ascension as he is there with the 11 disciples, now minus Judas Iscariot, in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a lot in those three verses And briefly, I just want to point to some important truths that we can glean from there. By all means, not exhaustive at all. The first thing we need to note is that Jesus has all authority. If we miss that point, then 
the rest of it really, we, we have to wonder about the rest of it. Jesus has all authority. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Folks, that doesn't leave much out. He has the authority to give us this command, to issue this call to us. It is in the authority of the risen Lord. The second thing of importance to note is that make disciples is the main verb. Now, depending on your translation, most of them say, therefore, go and make disciples. It looks like go and make disciples would be equal emphasis in those verses, but, it, but it's not. Make disciples is the main verb in there. And so that's where our emphasis needs to be. That's what we need to focus upon is that making disciples because that was Jesus' main point. Make disciples of all nations. Third, make disciples involves going, baptizing, and teaching. This is what Jesus said. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So to help us to understand how it is that we make disciples, Jesus says, go, baptize, and teach. And then finally, the fourth truth is that Jesus will be with us as we carry out his mission. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Making disciples. That is our call. Under the authority of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. In other words, we're getting this message, this calling from the big boss. This is no underling, this is no lackey, this is no, you know, uh, mid-level manager. We have the resurrected Lord of life, the author of creation, the Alpha and the Omega, giving this to us. So, let's take this with that importance. Let's understand it and embrace it as what it is. Under the authority of Jesus and with the promise of His abiding presence as we do it. In other words, it's not the boss saying, okay, you go out and do this. It's the boss saying, okay, here's your mission, and by the way, I'm going with you. Anything you lack along the way, I'm here to make it up. And so, with the authority and the presence of Jesus, we have been given this commission, this call to make disciples of all nations. That term is pos ethnos which means very little to any of you. But it's important to look at the word ethnos because it can mean an area, a region that has borders and boundaries like a nation, or it can mean a cultural group or an ethnic group, a people group whose borders may be all over the place, who may have no borders at all. For instance, we as a church are praying for the Rajputs, which is a, a group of people who have a distinct culture in, in, in the bigger nation of India. And what, what Jesus is saying here is, we are to cross all borders, whether these borders are geographical, whether they're cultural, whether they're language, whether they're financial, whether they're societal, whether they're racial, whatever the borders there are that exist, we are to cross those borders to go to all nations in order to make disciples. And as we do that, we go, baptize, teach. And what that's telling us is, this is intentional. Going 
is intentional. One of the big reasons that the Great Commission lacks so much fulfillment is that pastors and laymen and women in the church are not intentional about the call. It's for somebody else. It's for the Billy Grahams of the world. It's for the missionaries of the world. It's not for me. And yet, my brothers and sisters, it is your mission. And you are the missionary. You don't think of yourself like that very often, but God thinks of you that way. This is your mission. You must be intentional about it. Well, does it mean then that I have to you know, move to, to some far-off region and begin to share Christ at some hut with a bunch of people in the village? No, that's not what it means. It means wherever you are and wherever you go, you are intentional about making disciples. You are open and, and willing for the Holy Spirit to, to speak to your heart, to say, here's a person who has a need. Here's a person who is searching, and I have the answer, not in myself, but in Christ who's given me the authority and who is with me in order to engage them right now to help them to come to understand who Christ is and then to move them along to move them along in their spiritual growth as best as I am able, getting them plugged in to a local church, getting them plugged in to a smaller group of believers to help them to grow. That is our joint responsibility, going. It's intentional. The second thing he said was baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism brings people into the family of God. Now, we look at baptism as, okay, this is kind of our, this is the thing we have to do to join Grace Fellowship, to join this church, to join that church. We have to be baptized. Or, you know, here, I'm going to go wash my sins away. Baptism doesn't do that. Baptism is certainly symbolic of having your sins washed away, a new life, a new beginning. But in the early church, it was something far more. It was the step that people took as they entered into the life of a local fellowship. Being baptized meant I was part of this community of faith. And so when we're told to go out and baptize, it's not that we're just to, you know, go to the local swimming pool and dunk as many as we can. It's that we are to bring them into the life of the church, have them step over that threshold into the family of God, going, baptizing, but also teaching, teaching. This equips them for living. We just took Jackie off back for her second year of college. That is absolutely unbelievable. And it's also amazing how much stuff you can cram in a dorm room. You would think that we got it all in there, but when we were leaving, they were heading to Walmart. Now, why, why do we send our kids to school? Because we understand they need to be equipped for life. They don't come out of the womb equipped for life. They need training. They need teaching. Now, You need to understand this because this is very important. When we think of teaching, we think of sitting in a classroom in one of those desks. You ever have to sit in one of those desks? (laughs) As an adult, I've gone back and had to sit in those things. It's a lot easier when you're a kid. 
we think, you know, we got the teacher up there, we got the chalkboard or the whiteboard, or now these electronic board things going on. Yeah, we, we sit in the desk and we get lectured and we write our notes and we take our test and that's teaching. But that is not teaching, not in the New Testament sense. And the word teaching in the New Testament sense had the sense of coming alongside someone to help them learn, not just by rote memorization, but by experience. It is important that we come alongside people to help them understand. So when Jesus called people to be disciples, what did they do? They left and they followed him. They connected themselves to him to learn from him in not only what he said, but in what he did. So are we getting a little better grasp of now that what this great commission is called? It's not just something we, we declare when we, we're getting ready to raise funds for our, our missions offerings during the year. It is something we need to be living day to day. Going, baptizing, teaching, because we're making disciples. You see the aim. The aim is not simply to make the church bigger. Oh, we want to do that. We want new people to come to faith. But we don't want to just make the church bigger. We want to create environments. We want to create opportunities for the believer to grow in their faith. Not to stagnate, but to grow in their faith. And to grow in their uh, relationships, to connect with other believers so that they've got the, the encouragement and the accountability that they need but also to grow in their commitment to serving others and sharing Christ. That's what we're after. That's what a disciple looks like. A disciple is someone who's growing in their faith. A disciple is someone who's got intimate connections with other believers. And a disciple is someone who's serious about serving others in Jesus' name and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. You see, the church is not simply commissioned to the task of winning souls to Christ, but with the help but with helping other believers to experience genuine life change and then equipping them to serve others and to share the gospel. That's our calling. That's our passion. As a matter of fact, we state so much in our core values. One of our core values reads this way. Every Christ follower has a personal responsibility to take ownership for his or her own spiritual growth. While we as a church have a responsibility to provide the inspiration, information, and resources necessary for that growth to occur. In other words, this is a spiritual partnership. The church cannot do it all on its own. You have a responsibility for your own spiritual growth. If you don't take that responsibility seriously, it doesn't matter what is offered to you. It's not going to help. And if you're taking that responsibility seriously and your church is not coming alongside you to provide opportunities and environments for that growth to occur, then we are failing you and will short-circuit your spiritual growth. And so there's a spiritual partnership that goes on here. I talk with Glad about this uh, three or four times a year at least because in in youth ministry or in student ministry, it it can be a real frustration Because you really only get those kids for an hour or two a week, and then they're gone. And and many of you teachers feel the same frustration in your classroom. You get them for a certain period of time, and then they're gone. And if there's not a partnership between the church and the home, or between the school and the home, then, then the growth that could occur is not going to occur. 
The same thing is true in our spiritual relationships. If you're committed to growing in Christ, you need a church family that's going to provide the encouragement, going to provide the accountability, provide the opportunity, provide the environments to help encourage that spiritual growth. The Bible says this, It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And here's the purpose. God gave the church leaders, here's the purpose, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what's that word? Mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here we see the responsibility of the church. God raises up in the life of a church leaders for the purpose, not of doing all the work themselves. It doesn't mean they don't do the work, but they don't do it themselves. My main responsibility as a pastor, the elders' main responsibility as leaders, is to equip you guys to prepare you for ministry because there's a bigger picture here if we are truly going to get to the point where the church has both unity and growth maturing then the leaders can't do it alone this is our responsibility folks this is what we're doing as a church we're trying to get to the point where we become mature attaining the full measure of of who Christ is in our lives. That's the goal of the church, not simply to come and have a place to sit, not simply to come and be entertained, not simply to come to have a Bible study. All those things are good and well, and, and that's great. But the purpose here is bigger, to equip you, to prepare you to engage the world and to be a catalyst for change in your own communities and in your own environments. One of the greatest failures of the church through the centuries is that we are content too often by bringing people to faith but not bringing them up in the faith. Making disciples means that we lead people not only to believe the gospel but to begin to live the gospel every day, every moment of every day, living the gospel. As the Apostle Paul wrote, And probably the best picture of what it means to to live the gospel out. I no longer live, he says. Now, he was alive, certainly. But he goes, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Earlier in in our, our service this morning, I read from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 where we are called to present our bodies as living sacrifices. That daily we are to sacrifice ourselves, die to ourselves, so that Christ might live in and through us. Now, are we as a church, are we as a people, content to bring others into the kingdom and then simply create comfortable environments, comfortable surroundings, so that they can retreat from the world or are we as a church only satisfied when we are taking the kingdom of God into our community and making a difference there 
Would we be content simply to fill this place five times over on Sundays? Or will we only be satisfied when we're equipping believers to be salt and light in the world? Equipping believers to make a difference in their communities, a difference in their families, a difference in their workplaces, a difference in their schools. If we're going to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, then we must be intentional about moving people from believing to belonging to becoming. Not simply getting them in the doors, getting them on the rolls, and celebrating that on Monday mornings. Now, as in every church, they have a toolbox. They have a variety of of, of opportunities, a variety of experiences, a variety of environments that, that churches create in order to accomplish their mission. And we have a number of those. We have the worship services. We have uh, foundational classes that we are beginning. And i got to tell you, these foundational classes can be a really, really life-changing thing. They can meet particular needs in your life right now and and i'm excited that we're getting those underway we have our sunday morning bible studies and i gotta tell you i get excited when i hear people who are coming to sunday morning bible studies plugging in digging deep into the word of god and saying hey i didn't know god was this interested in my life but perhaps the the tool that we have that is capable of reaching the most people and again the responsibility of the church is for all the flock so the, the, the tool that we have that is most able to reach the most people and help move them along in their spiritual growth, it, to loving God more, to, to connecting with one another more, to, to equipping them for the works of ministry, is probably our grace groups. It is where, as we try to describe it, God's truth and your life come together in the context of genuine, caring, loving relationships where you can be encouraged, but you can also be challenged. Where you can find someone who loves you enough to hold you accountable and say, Hey, buddy, that's not right. A place where you can come and dump your load. You know, don't feel like the pastor's the only guy that can carry my load. No, i, I got to tell you, your group, your grace group, will be the place where they're going to understand and have compassion, and be there for you week in and week out, and sometimes even day in and day out, that group can be for you the tool in your life that can be an instrument of transformation for you. At a recent conference in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, where Southern Baptists have a retreat center there, Lifeway Christian Resources put on a a, a small group retreat and in that, this, this is the basic theme or the basic uh, truth that came out of that conference. And it was this. Genuine personal transformation best takes place in a small group setting. People rarely change in large groups because large groups don't offer opportunities for intimate relationships with others. Those intimate relationships where people know you and love you anyway, are the miracle grow for your spiritual life. Now, you can take my word for it, or, or maybe you'd like to hear from someone who's had that experience. I want to sh- let you hear a couple who were new 
to the faith, new to the church, opened their home and said, we'd like to have a grace group come and meet here. And starting from scratch, people signed up, plugged in, and here's a little bit of their story. Being part of a grace group has been a big opportunity for me to learn. I've been able to learn a lot through the people that are in our group. We've been blessed with several people that are very knowledgeable as well as experienced in applying God's Word to their lives. We get together every week and we talk about God's Word, the message that we received on Sunday, and the way God's working in other people's lives. It's given me the opportunity to take their experiences and use it to apply God's Word in my life. All of this has allowed me to grow my relationship with God to levels that I never imagined. Not only have I been able to grow my relationship with God, but I've grown relationships with other members of Grace Fellowship that I'm sure will last a lifetime. And I mean, we really have a good time when we get together. Uh, my Grace group is one of the things I look forward to each week, uh, just to be able to get together with a small group of Christians, to support each other through the good times and through the bad, um, has been a huge difference in my life. Uh, just to be able to become a part of Grace Fellowship, I feel like I'm finally becoming the person that I've always wanted to be. Just to be able to have the service on Sunday and then have an opportunity to expand on it in an environment where I'm comfortable to ask the questions that I need to have the answers to be able to grow is just the greatest gift that I've ever received. God's truth and the lives of real people meeting in the context of loving, caring, genuine relationships. That could be the missing piece of the puzzle of your spiritual growth that you've been looking for. They could be the catalyst for you in order to take you deeper and deeper into new levels of faith. I've already mentioned this. I'll mention it one more time. This is these two Sundays, last Sunday, this Sunday, are, will, will, will be an annual emphasis, a grace group connection to encourage those who haven't been in grace groups to get connected, to discover what it's all about, but also to encourage those who are already in grace groups to consider, hey, is this where God wants me? Then I need to sign up. I need to get back on board with this group. Or perhaps God's calling me to, to move to a different group. Maybe, it's a, maybe my, my schedule has changed. I need to move to a different location, a different time, a different place. We want to encourage everybody, whether you've been signed up or not, to take time and do it today. To take time to stop at the table to sign up. You know, my heart's desire is that we had 100% of all of our membership in, in connected in a grace group. That would be my heart's desire. Now, I know that's a big, big, big dream. But you know what? I think God dreams big for us. God's plans are big for us. And we as a church want to pursue those as best we can. Now, it was kind of interesting. As uh, last Sunday, as, uh, as the crowd was passing by, a lot of people stopped and they'll say, oh, you know, enjoy the message. It was meaningful to me in this way. Um, and I, I'll go ahead and pick on him because uh, I know he loves me and I love him. But Bob Christian who is, by the way, your elder chairman, and a very much of an encouraging man, comes out the door and stops by and he says, Pastor, that was a great commercial for Grace Groups. In a way, you know what it was, but I make absolutely no apology for it, and this is why. If we're convinced, and I am, and the elders are, if we're convinced that Grace Groups, these small groups of, of believers coming together, are vital 
for your spiritual health and growth, then why would I not beat that drum? Why would I not remind you? Why would I not encourage you? And let me add one more thing to it. Jesus did it. What did Jesus do? He called a small group around him. Now, he had many disciples, but he had a small group, and they invested themselves in each other. They learned by doing together, by serving together, by, 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 by studying together, by praying together. That's how they learned. That's how they grew. And those 12 minus 1, those 11 men went on to turn the world upside down. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us. And so, I make no apologies for encouraging inclusion. Because i got to tell you, because of uh, school stuff, I've had to miss the last two Wednesday nights in my grace groups. And you know what? I have missed it. I have missed that connection. I miss getting together with them. I miss seeing those smiling. It's not just that I miss our meal on Wednesday nights together. I do miss that because we have some good meals. But I miss the time we get to share together. I guess I miss catching up on their lives. I miss hearing what God's doing in them and through them. I miss having that opportunity to share. Hey, here's, here's what's going on in my life, the good and the bad. And I've got to tell you, in grace groups, good and bad happens. We get to celebrate when somebody gets a new job, gets a raise. But we get to grieve when there's a bad diagnosis. Or, As in the case of our grace group, this wonderful couple that you saw, Adam and Laura, opened their homes to a brand new grace group, even though they knew the pastor was going to lead it. Can you believe that? And in the course of that, we got to celebrate when they discovered that they were pregnant And we got to grieve with them when they lost the baby. I'm convinced that every one of us needs to connect in small groups. We provide grace groups for that. But to connect in these smaller groups where people love you, care about you, pray for you, encourage you, challenge you, hold you accountable and to help you to grow and learn and become the person God's calling you to be, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Being a part of a grace group is not mandatory. It's not a prerequisite for membership that you become a part of a grace group. But I believe it's vital. We shouldn't see it as optional. I think it's vital for us as we connect and grow. I want to see this church become as big as the Lord can possibly make it. So that every parking space is filled and we have to go to multiple services. But more than that, I want to see each member of the Grace Fellowship family, whether they're members or attend on a regular basis, connected in a group so that they are getting premium growth. That their growth becomes supercharged. So that they then become the ministers and the missionaries that this world and our community, Greensboro, Green County, Morgan County, Putnam County, desperately need. This community doesn't need more churches. This community needs more disciples.